Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Welcome to Fiddle and Pipe. Uh, I'm Brittany Ross, still trying to find my voice after the sickness. That's Catherine Flincham, who isn't sick. I did get down with the sickness last week, though. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not with the sickness. It feels like we just talked about this, but I guess it's because we did. But today we're talking about parts three and four of The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. Yes, that, that was right. I want to say Haig. Did you just hear my nervousness? Mm-hmm. I saw that hesitation, like, wait. Your mug is really cute. I know, it's mm-hmm. my cat mug. It's cute, isn't it? I got it as a Christmas gift last year, so it says cat person. Aww. Oh, but my cat is hanging out with my sleeping boyfriend, so it's not like I'm butt hurt or anything. She's cheating on you. It's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We it's have fine. all night together, so mm-hmm. I can torture her at night. Anyway, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to start this. Well, we're on part three now of this book. We where are the first uh, in Brittany's naming of themes. The first part was birth. The second part was water, which you heard last week. And then this is fire, mm-hmm. you said? Why Now, yeah. why fire? Why do you call it fire? Well, that's what he starts it out with, first off. I also feel like we're on an episode of, like, Captain Planet or something. We're like, earth, wind, fire, water, heart. His first few essays are chat are titled Candle, A Bag of Moments, Your Most Treasured Possession, Wolf, Burn, okay. Virtue. Outside? Fire? Yeah, fiery nature. To me. And also, I feel like part one was like, here you are, and how do we work on being okay with this? Part two, water, was how to come back from that point and just kind of like learning how to like ebb and flow like a person. Mm-hmm. Fire, part three, is like how to get your spark and your passion, I feel like. Okay. That, cause like, yeah. Resolution for it's just like, and you won't always be here, but now you are here, and like how to be okay. Okay, that makes sense. What I really liked is okay. There's that one story. I think it's on. It's on. I have it as one fifty one. When he said mm-hmm. like fire for like you know your passion or something like that on one fifty one. Oh, with Beethoven. Yeah, the way out of your mind is via the world, and he kind of talks about how find a passion as large as your fear. Exactly, and. Beethoven's fear was losing his ear, his hearing, basically. I was about to say ear sight. Losing his <laughs> ear, his one ear. He's like Van Gogh. <laughs> well, I, was about, I was about to say ear sight, which I was like, that's not a word. <laughs> it's like eyesight, but for your ears. What is it called? <laughs> your hearing. Um, but basically, like, Beethoven, I and mean, he talks about this in his, like, is it the Hilligenstadt? testimony yes i don't know if that's how it's pronounced the testament yeah yeah he talks about like how he's afraid of losing his hearing when he can't hear like the piccolo like this like high pitches and stuff like that in the distance and so Mm -hmm. yeah i would be afraid of losing my hearing too if i'm a musician and that's my career and i'm like what the heck but um 
Beethoven didn't let that stop him. He talks about, like, how right. even though he was, like, fully deaf, because, yeah, he wrote, like, Moonlight Sonata. He wrote the Ninth Symphony, which everybody, like, hears on a daily basis, I feel like. Most of his string quartets. Mm-hmm. He became a successful, like, name. I mean, even people that I know that don't know crap about music recognize Beethoven's name. <laughs> so yeah, he just still went for his passion despite, like, you know, the circumstances. Yeah, which is pretty cool because I don't know if I lost my hearing. I don't know. I would not want to give up music either, but I don't know how I would keep being a musician. I mean, if you think about it with, like, multiple people, like, multiple people have probably been put in situations and it's like, how do I adapt to this? Def Leppard. Do you know that? The band Def Leppard? Mm-hmm. Their drummer... Is that Porsche and Sugar on me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, their drummer lost his arm in a car accident, a really bad car accident. Mm-hmm. So he had to relearn how to drum with one hand and he does most of his stuff with foot pedals. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. People are really uh, resilient and adaptable. Mm-hmm. I did love the Joy Harjo story. I put this on Goodreads because this really, like, stuck out to me. But yeah. it, again, reminds me of, like, people's passions. Like, you don't have to, like, start your passion early on in your life. You could do it later on in your life and still go for it and still be just as great. I think in this case, what was it? Joy Harjo was, like, a friend of his or something, and she, like, started the saxophone later in her life. When she was 40 mm-hmm. or so. And, like, she just is enjoying it for fun. It kind of reminds me of, like, my my adult students or adults that come up to me and inquire for flute lessons. I have students that have never played flute before, and they're like, I mm-hmm. just want to – I've always wanted to play the flute. I thought it was a really mm-hmm. interesting instrument, and I wanted to get to learn it. And they're like, I'm retired now, and this is just something I want to do. And it's so fun to see adults just, like – go for it and just like continue it. Yeah. One of my students is like that. I love when they come see progress in themselves. I, I sit there and I'm like, you're doing fantastic. You're playing mm-hmm. phenomenally. Like it just makes me happy. It just reminds me yeah. of those like happy moments of success. And I think even Haig mentions like during, cause I guess this book was written during the pandemic. Did this come out in 2020? 2021. Okay. So he talks about, like, how he was in lockdown that he ended up playing or, like, didn't he say that he, like, learned piano again or, like, wanted to? When he he took piano when he was in, like, middle school and high school, and then he dropped it when he was in high school, and then his kid, one of his kids wanted to learn it. Mm. So he was like, I can just learn it alongside you as like a 40 something year old guy it's also fascinating to see students like i don't know if you've ever encountered encountered this with like violin lessons but i've had students that have played before but then they like quit because of like you know life and then they get back into Mm -hmm. playing and it's like it's funny because like for some of my students they like get a little nervous about like playing um the c major scale and i'm sitting there and i'm like okay, let's just go over it. Like, we know that there's no sharps or flats. And we kind of go through the motions of the fingerings and they play it and it's like they play it flawlessly. And they're like, they're shocked themselves. And I sit there and I'm like, well, you probably played this before. Your muscle memory is just Mm -hmm. probably getting back into the swing of things. Like, you probably know it. You just don't realize it. Yeah. I have a student, uh, she's in in college, um, but she played viola in... Mm -hmm middle school and high school and then she dropped it 
because she graduated when during COVID, like one of the years that COVID was really disrupting things. Uh, so when she went virtual, she stopped playing viola and then she decided to pick up violin. So that's been interesting to see is like she wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. uh, but similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see. Like you don't always have to be like a 12 year old to start learning things. You can be at any age, really. Like, yeah, I can learn basket weaving if I want to. And that also, I feel like, applied to what I was talking about last episode with, you know, how we all, like, people our age have this big value on, like, 30. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't need to have things done by a certain point in your life. And I feel like reading that was helpful. Yeah, I don't think it helps that we, like, see, like, child prodigies. Like, child prodigies are great, but I feel like it doesn't help us when we see child prodigies or, like, no. if you think about, like, Olympic athletes, like... There are Olympic athletes that are in high school that, like, are yeah. professional athletes. And you see that and you're just mm-hmm. like, wow, I'll never be that level because they're this young. That's not true. There are some people that have, like, accomplished great things at later ages. And you don't always have to be the best at the thing. Like, I think mm-hmm. learning to do something and just doing something for the sake of doing it mm-hmm. speaks a lot as well. It's like... I don't have to be a professional at everything I do. Like, yeah, I'm a professional musician, but I also enjoy music. But I don't just do music. Like, I'm... You run. Yeah, at this point, I'm an advanced runner. I like to hang out with David. I like to do these other things. It's just, there's more to me than just being a musician. I think that's, like, something I wish that we, like, understood when we were in music school. Yeah. Because I remember... Even during grad school, it was like musician, musician, musician. That's it. I think it's like when you finally get out of music school and you realize like that's not exactly reality. Like Mm -hmm. there's more that involves like your career than just music, (laughs) you know, even things outside your career. It's like when we had Matt on for um, Everything is Fucked, he was saying that you know, listening to college students now is just so exhausting. And I feel that too, because all they talk about is music, 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 music. I can't relate anymore. And they think they know everything about it. And it is like their whole lives, basically. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, is this all y'all do? That was us once. Yeah, that was us. We were like obnoxious, like singing stuff that we were playing and talking about concertos and talking about like whatever and I value music the thing is though it's like I remember when I was in school and I was thinking about this the other day too because I was thinking about books (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I was like thinking about like when I was in school I used to read books but it was books on composers I had like this giant Maynard Solomon biography by of Mozart it's like huge and I remember I read that for fun when I was in between undergrad and grad school. And I remember yep. I lis- I could listen to classical music all effing day. But now it's just like I'm so – I think I burned myself out of it really. Like every now and then I'll like listen – I mean in my comfort playlist, I have Sibelius on there for a reason. I like to right. listen to classical pieces that really like – that bring me comfort like Scheherazade for instance. I love Scheherazade. Mm-hmm. I think that is an amazing piece to always go back and listen to. But I'll listen to, like, some of my favorite hits, but I'm not going to, like, listen to classical music for fun if I don't feel right. like it anymore, you know? Like, I'll listen to different I, – I, I feel like what interest is, like, interests me more is listening to different kinds of music. And even, like, if classical music yeah. is what I'm going to listen to, I'm going to see if I can find something that's, like, 
more written recently than mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, I totally get what you mean because I feel like I branch out a lot more. Like, I used to just listen to classical music all the time. If I was listening to anything, that's what it would be. And now I listen to all sorts of music. And I listen sometimes to classical music. And I'm also listening to audiobooks. And I also listen to podcasts. Like, David and I saw Hilary Hahn play with the ASO. Which I'm so angry that she never comes to Denver. <laughs> she played the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. And the ASO did Shosti 10. So it was a really good program. Oh, that's a good program. I don't listen to classical music as much anymore as I used to. And I don't go to concerts as much as I used to. Same. It's just money right now. Same. I'm hoping when, when money gets better, I'll go more. Yeah, I was talking to a friend, like, recently, and I was like, hey, do you want to just, like, go to a concert? Because, like, tickets yeah. are not too bad here. And we were, like, looking at concerts that we want to, like, check out because I was just, like, sitting there and it's like, I haven't really been to a concert since I left school, you know? And then COVID happened, and so, like, no concerts really happened. They shut down everything. Yeah, and I don't really go to concerts anymore, and I, I feel like that's also, like, something, like, I used to do so much, and now I miss it in a way where it's, like, I think – where I, I feel like I need to make this not, like, a super, like, I have to be doing this every week kind of thing, but, like, once a month or, like, once yeah. every two months. Something where I can... We should be doing it f- to support the arts community, and we should be doing it because it's better for us and for yeah. ourselves. Like, I feel I feel most at home when I'm listening to a concert or playing. Same. Like, it's very comforting. It's very, like, brain-soothing for me. Like, I love any opportunity to perform. Mm-hmm. But listening to Hillary play the Tchaikovsky, like, the Tchaikovsky has always sounded like love to me. Just listening to her play, it, like, really brought me back. I was like, this is the ultimate comfort material. Yeah. We just, we gotta do stuff like that more often. I know. And you know what's, really like, really interesting, too? Like, going back to, like, music school, how we were just, like, music, music, music. I remember, like, mm-hmm. being in school, and I did this master class, like, one summer, and I remember, like... One of the questions that somebody that was attending the class asked, like, one of the flute people, like, hey, if I want to apply to the school, what are you guys looking for in students? Because it was out of school. The flute professor was, like, explaining, like, well, I want you to, like, along with, like, having, like, that interest and passion for music and, like, wanting to, you know, like, improve your craft and, like, have a goal set in mind. I also am interested in things that you do outside of music. Like, do you read books? Yeah. Are you part of, like, a sport or, like, a club? Um, do you have any mm-hmm. hobbies where you hike? And I was sitting there, and I was just like, how does one have time for this? Yeah. <laughs> and I and I was just, like, sitting there, and I'm like, how does one person have time for this when, like, they're trying to improve their craft? Like, that's all I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I kind of wish I branched out a little bit more. Like, I know my teacher, like, even, like, suggested that when I was in grad school, like – you should like enjoy your life and have fun and branch out and see different things, not just be in a practice room all day. I never had a teacher who supported that. Well, I don't think I really took it into heart though until like I finished school. Let's just be honest about that. <laughs> Cause I did not take that into heart for a while. So I know when I started weightlifting a little bit in undergrad, I told Helen about it and she was like, Oh, that's really good for your like your body and moving different ways and stuff, but I don't think I ever really had a teacher that was like, who are you outside of music? 
my teachers encouraged me to like do things outside and like, you know, I think I, I think I did more things outside of music when I was an undergrad. And I think that's because like Mm -hmm. where we went to undergrad was like near where we grew up. We knew that area well. We had friends. We, I think it's also like we're an undergrad, like we're still in school. (laughs) Like everything's great and dandy and I'm in this routine. But grad school for me, I feel like I just focused more just solely on music because I was like, this is my career. This is what I have to do. And this is who I am. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I think it was finally like COVID because even like during the two years that I had or like the year and a half, I was like out working in the field and everything like that after school. Mm -hmm. I was still mostly focused on music. I think that really like brought me into a crash and burn during the pandemic. And that's where I start. Like now I feel like this year, especially I'm creating space for things like reading more and like yeah. personal relationships a little bit more versus like just music, music, music. I mean, this week is the first time I've really practiced my instrument solely for like an hour. A performance. At least. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, and I don't know, like it's, it's nice to kind of like play again, but I'm also like, yeah. it's different. It's nice to enjoy it with other things. It's like how, like wine is really good, but wine is best enjoyed with other things. Yeah. Like cheeses and meals i don't feel as burned out when i'm practicing now than i used to feel like a long time ago or even when i've been trying to force yeah. myself to practice and just just to say like i did it you know but yeah yeah i mean that's kind of how i practice now like i know i really should be keeping up my excerpts for auditions and stuff but Th- when i think about excerpts i don't want to practice it doesn't make me want to practice and realistically i'm not going to move anywhere I like where I am. There was an audition that came up for the Nashville Symphony, and it's like a salaried position. It's a full-time orchestra position. And starting members get like 48 or something. And I was thinking about it, and I talked to David about it, and he was just like, you should definitely do it. And I'm like, would you be okay uprooting to Nashville? And he's like, like, I think you would have more problems with it than me. He's like, yeah, I think go for it if you want to. But I was thinking about it, and I'm like, my family's here. His family's here. He actually just got that job that I was telling you about so nice congrats he's gonna start in January working remotely so like he could move remotely too nice you just have to go to Atlanta (laughs) nope it's it's a small company based in Atlanta and it's a work from home job so it's perfect that is perfect (laughs) he has the freedom to move but it's like I don't I don't know if I would want to do that I get that I wouldn't want to move and I just decided I'm like I why would I take an audition and I wouldn't want to like I don't really know anything about Nashville I'd have to drop all my students I'd drop all my clinicianing yeah I'd have a salaried gig but I drop everything else like every other part of me I thought about that with um here in Denver like finding a symphony job in another city mm-hmm. but like the thing is is like and I've talked about this with Woody multiple times and he we talked about actually like last night which was like interesting because he was talking mm-hmm. about like what if like we did move back to Georgia and I was like do you on to and he was like well he was like I would follow you like that's what he said like I'll follow Mm -hmm. you but also like I thought about it and I was like I don't want to move back to Georgia no offense no offense ouch (laughs) ouch that's fine I I mean I do miss sex bees and waffles that's fine I didn't like like you or anything (laughs) but I, I like Denver I like Colorado it's like our home here and what he has his business here and so I'm just like thinking like I can, you know, summon orchestras around here. I can, but I can also do other things with my career in music here that involve like small things with 
chamber playing that I enjoy more now than I did when I was in school. Like, I think I enjoy that more often now than orchestral stuff. Also, I think just like this year in general, like the semester of fall teaching has made me really like teaching again, especially at the schools that I teach at. Like, mm-hmm. the pandemic was so rough. I had a hard time it with it. But this year, I've, like, had a easier time with my students. I've been seeing, like, I don't know, just, like, watching my kids at their concerts this week, seeing how proud of themselves they were. It just, like, made me happy. And I was like, I can do more with teaching. I love teaching. This is a passion of mine. It's a growth thing, I think, you know? We realize things. I mean, I think this whole book is about growth in general. <laughs> what kind of circumstances or situations are you put in and how are you going to adapt and move forward with it if you get lost in the forest there are a lot of forest analogies of him being lost in the forest or in the jungle and just moving forward yeah you must have gotten lost quite a bit matt just a little bit there was one section that he says it's called mess on 166 Mm mm-hmm the hardest thing to be is yourself. We are so overloaded that... I guess this actually ties into what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. We are so overloaded that we can't always see the truth of who we are. We distract ourselves to distraction. Sometimes we clutter our lives deliberately to take our minds out the clutter inside our heads. When we take the external clutter away, we have to face the clutter inside ourselves. All the mess. And the more we focus on it, the more we see the order in it. There is a reason why everything is the way it, where it is. We might want to order the mess a different way, or we might feel the mess is perfectly fine, but we are imperfect because we are alive. I like that mm-hmm. a lot because I'm definitely one of those people where I thrive when I'm the busiest yes. and when I have to take, I think we're talking uh, with Chelsea on our episode, the Mindset for Musicians episode that we did way back when, how... Oh, it feels like ages ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I'm a very high energy person. I, I'm at my best when I'm doing something and I feel like I clutter myself so that way I don't have to, like, just sit and think. Because when you have, like, a deadline or if you have something to do it kind of helps you like it's just deflection and distraction yeah but it's just guys to look productive really the best thing is like when i'm we've talked previously recently that like exercising especially running is really therapeutic because that allows you a chance to kind of therapize yourself uh while you're actually doing something but I, i can't i have a hard time like just sitting and reflecting and contemplating. Your meditation is basically running. Yeah. I, and I'll be really honest with you, I was that. Like, I remember one time, like, I had a friend and they were like, you should learn how to meditate. I think it'll really help you. And I'm like, the thing is, I can't sit still. And that's what I told them. I was like, I can't sit still. This was like during grad school and I was doing a hundred things at once. So obviously, like, I'm a busy person, but I ran a lot during grad school. And that was, like, my thing that helped me, like, kind of breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I love running, but I find running more as, like, a time of, like, leisure for me now. <laughs> like, yeah. if I have the time for it, I'm, like... Not an escape? No, because, like, I'm so busy now. I like running in the afternoon, mainly. That's, like, my... I, I like running in the afternoon. I like... Dur- I- if I run during the daytime, it's fine. But afternoon is, like, this is my time for me. Mm-hmm. But I teach a lot in the afternoon now. So when I have an afternoon open, I'm like, let me just like soak in these like couple hours <laughs> to be mm-hmm. outside if I can. And like, I'll walk, I'll run, I don't care. I just want to enjoy my time. So it's like leisure for me now. It's 
it doesn't happen quite frequently. Now meditation happens frequently for me. Like I'll meditate in the morning. So it's like the first thing I do. So, mm-hmm. and it's like 10, five, five to 10 minutes, not bad. But I definitely have changed. <laughs> I mean, if my past self looked at my future self, they'd be like, what the heck happened to you? But I mean, I like that stillness. I think that's, there was like one section that he talks about stillness. And I think that was, yeah. was it in this section? Or was it in the fourth section? Part four. Well, I like this because like, I feel like some people feel like when you're doing this, like you have to do it in a certain way to be correct. You know what I mean? I feel like that's not the case. I feel like if you mm-hmm. need a second to just like take a moment for yourself, you can do this like in any form you can. I think I just liked the way that he talked about like just being still, but I can't find it. Mm-hmm. No, but I really like that breathing section a lot mm-hmm. where he talks about that he can tell how he's feeling, even if he's not aware of how he's feeling by how he is breathing. Yeah. Uh, he said if he's stressed, if he like draws in a breath, he like gets a little shaky at the end of it. You hear a lot about people who are like, oh, well, like, just take five minutes and breathe in and out and in and out. But he walks through, like, how it actually helps him. I don't know. I just kind of made it more real instead of, like, something that people just kind of tell you. Like, in and then out. I find yeah. myself to be a machine when I'm breathing. Like, when I'm meditating and focusing on my breath, I find mm-hmm. – I kind of think of myself as a machine and I – also think about this when I'm doing long tones because I kind of apply this when I'm doing long tones. Like I practice with a met- I practice with a metronome at 60 and I just like inhale for four. I do this with my students. Like we breathe in for four all in like equally at once, not like all at like in the first beat. Yeah. And then we like exhale for like an amount as long as we can. But I do this with long tones a little bit and I just think of myself as a machine. And I think that like repetitive motion of like, and that focus kind of, like, really helps, like, calm, like, mm-hmm. my cluttered brain. Like, if I go into the practice room or, like, in my practice loft and I'm really stressed out and overwhelmed with the amount that I have to get done maybe that day and it mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily is pertained to my playing, it could be, like, an outside factor of, like, social media, I will be, like, freaked out. It's, like, I don't know how to start my practice. I'll start out with that. I think of, like, long tones as kind of, like, my meditation into practicing if that makes sense but it really helps because you're breathing a lot and you're just focused on sound and I'm like I can create the most basic sound and this will be my practice (laughs) yeah I mean I use like scales to warm up into practice and I usually use like acceleration exercises so I find especially starting scales out with half notes at quarter note equals 60 is just very like relaxing and grounding you guys don't do long tones, do you? No. <laughs> I mean, I love scales, too. Scales are also therapeutic, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. I used to think of scales as, like, terrifying, but I'll practice scales for an hour and have a fun time. Yeah, I like scales. They're great. They bleed everywhere. Music. It happens. Um, this is the list with the movies. Before we say our own list, I just have a comment about his list. Okay. His movie and music list makes so much sense together. I I mentioned the movie list or the music list to you, how it's like an 80s teen romance film. It feels like I'm in that. 
it makes sense with his movie list. Shall I share it with you? Yeah. First one is Jaws. Not bad. Not, not bad. Meet Me in St. Louis. Never seen it, but kind of want to check it out. The Great Escape. Have you seen this movie? I don't think so. I've never seen it either. I think it's an older film. Like a black and white one. <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I've heard of this film. Never seen it. I've heard of it. Haven't seen it. You seen E.T.? Gone Home? Yes. It's a Wonderful Life. I feel like I've only seen, like, the ending of this movie. I've never seen the full movie of this. Have you? It's a Christmas film. Just the season, y'all. Have I seen it? What is it about? It's an old film. Black and white. (laughs) I don't think so. I think, like, the ending, it's, like, I think the ending, it's, like, this man and his family, and they're, like, together, like, Merry Christmas, and, like, their store is, like, maybe, maybe this Miracle on 34th Street. I don't really know. I get those two films mixed up, so don't ask me about Christmas films. It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe you've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. We should probably watch it one day. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, this time of year would be good. Yeah. Patreon. Who knows? <laughs> Peanut Butter Falcon. That has Shia LaBeouf in it. It's actually a pretty cute movie. Never heard of it. The Count of Monte Cristo. The 2002 version. Hmm. Very, very specific. Pretty in Pink. Yeah. That's why I kept thinking of the 80s teen movie, because Pretty in Pink. And yes, he is right. It does have a great pop soundtrack. I agree with this. Have I seen Pretty in Pink? Oh, has Molly Ringwald in it. It has the guy. Don't know who that is. The guy that plays Ducky, her best friend, he's one of the main characters in Two and a Half Men. He's the dad. Um, I don't remember his name. It's such a good, such a good movie. I don't think I've seen it. Looks very 80s. I have the DVD. Let's watch it. Ray? Okay. No. It's pretty good. Um, It has um, Jamie Foxx as Ray. Or Ray Charles. My neighbor, Toroto? Never heard of this. Totoro. Totoro. I've seen that. That's one of the Miyazaki Studio Ghibli films. Gotcha. Like Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, Spirit Away. That's why I know it sounds familiar. Harvey? Breaking Away? Don't know. Any Mission Impossible movie. I tried watching Mission Impossible and I got bored. (laughs) The Sound of Music? Seen that. Seen it. We're up to one. Up to one. Uh, Toy Story 2. Now, this got me because this got me since I've been, like, 10 years old and saw this movie. <laughs> because it's the greatest movie and most emotional and consoling Pixar movie for Jessie's story alone. Yes, I agree with that because when Jessie sings that sad song about her old owner and getting left behind, I'm a 10-year-old, 9-year-old. I don't know how old I am. I think it's that age range. But I remember watching mm-hmm. that movie in theaters and crying my eyes out. <laughs> I swear to God, Pixar movies get me. And that storyline got me. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Don't leave Jesse behind. Stand by me. And then Mary Poppins, because it's Mary Poppins. And I agree with that because... I hate Mary Poppins. You hate Mary Poppins? How scared d- me as a kid. Yes, it is a little creepy <laughs> in some places. I can agree with that. But I liked how he's like, because it's Mary Poppins. Yeah, that made me want to throw the book across the room. No. I was like, no. <laughs> What's your movie playlist? Um, Mean Girls oh. is my favorite movie. I usually rewatch it about once a year. Pulp Fiction, because I really love Tarantino's films, and that was my first foray into it. I think you were the person that 
we watched Pulp Fiction together. That was like my first time watching it with you. Yes. Yeah, I remember that because you're like, I love this movie. Let's watch it. And I'm like, okay. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas Vacation. It's <sighs> a good one. It's such an entertaining movie and I've seen it so many times in my life and I still sit down and make a point to watch it at least once or twice every year. I love it when they're like, uh, can you say Grace? Grace died a long time ago. <laughs> the blessing! <laughs> and then she says the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> Shader was full. <laughs> oh my god. That's a good movie. I need a... Such a good movie. Perfect time you were to watch this. Bob's Burgers, the show, and the movie. Fair. You are a Bob's Burgers fan. Love Bob's Burgers. Silence of the Lambs Ooh. is another classic of mine that i enjoy rewatching, um and princess mononoke one of the studio ghibli films oh nice i've only seen spirited yeah. away and i loved spirited away when i first saw it and they're all so good you need to watch them i just like never watched them as much i think like also i think it's just because like i wasn't as familiar with it like my friends were so yeah i also didn't have cartoon network for a while whenever they played like that stuff on saturday nights what are your movies? My movies? Any Star Wars film. Any Star Wars film. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Even if it's Phantom mm-hmm. Menace, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll just watch it. It's great. I love Star Wars. Um, same with Harry Potter. Um, mainly Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone first. And I think that's just because, yeah. like, when I was younger... And they get less good as they go along. <sighs> yeah, but the first one is just so innocent. Like, it's like... It's cute. It's cute. It's truest to the book. Yeah. And I like the last one because the battle scene against Voldemort and everything. Yeah. The Breakfast Club. That's one of my other favorite films. My go-to 80s film. I didn't put a lot of films on this one. It was a really short list. And also The Room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I see The Room anywhere... I haven't seen it. Bitch, we gotta go on YouTube. <laughs> Okay, 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 fine. I think, like, when, when I went to Amanda's house, like, a few years back, I think I stayed at her house and we watched The Room. <laughs> we were like, let's just watch it. And then I think we tried to watch The Disaster Artist afterwards and it wasn't as good. But The Room, <laughs> The Room is a prime gem, y'all. So, I think for, like, TV shows and stuff, I really can't think of anything. Like The Office. The Office, yeah, never mind. The Office is, like, a good comfort. Right now, Grey's Anatomy... Judge me all you want. Bob's Burgers. <laughs> well, Bob, I, I, I need to watch, but I mean, I need to get on Hulu. After I finish Grey's Anatomy, I'm going to be like on Hulu a little bit more because I really like Abbott Elementary. That's like one of my good like comfort TV shows. Love it. Also, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> some people don't really yeah. like that show, but there is like some parts of it I love. I didn't enjoy it as much rewatching it, but I really enjoyed it when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. Any of the jokes where Charlie's illiterate just gets me every single time. <laughs> I, I don't know him. why. I just like that. That part just made me laugh so hard. I love his play. I love his little musical, the Damien musical. It's so dumb. Yeah. <gasps> so sad. Nightman. Ah! I know that you need to go soon, so we should probably just yes. uh, review the book. We what should. are your thoughts? What do you, what's your rating? What's your review? So this book kind of reminded me a little bit of the practice. I think the setup did, but I enjoyed this a little bit better than the practice. And I enjoyed this book better than everything was fucked because just like we talked about, this has like the message about hope and moving forward and 
I think this was a little bit more simple and a little bit more straightforward than what Mark Manson was trying to bring in his book. And this was a lot longer, yeah. too, page lengthwise, I think. But Page wise, yeah. Page wise. But um, I think what I really enjoyed about this book more was Matt Haig's um, discussion of his depression because it helped me relate to it a little bit more. I think that's what I enjoyed more about this book than I did Seth Godin's book because, again, it's the same setup, kind of the same message a little bit, but I think I enjoyed this one more because it was a little bit more personal and it was less like, be yourself. Blog posty. Yeah. I wish I like actually took in time to read this one. I think if I read this again, I think I would just like read a couple of like notes a day mm-hmm. at a time for a longer period yeah. of time. I think reading this yeah. in one session is a little draining. And that's why I had mm-hmm. to like split it up a little bit. Like I think I read two parts one day and two parts the other day, but I kind of broke it up and like read another book in the middle of that. I think if I had to read this book, I would give it a solid seven. I feel seven about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Listen to everything is fucked if you want to know about that. (laughs) Yeah, I give this a solid seven mainly because, like, it's not something that I think is, like, the most groundbreaking book in my life. But I think it's a Mm -hmm. book that I can definitely, like, take out if I need it just for, like, Mm -hmm. some insider perspective, some comfort maybe. I'll take it out and kind of maybe, like, read it in parts over time versus, like, in one setting. So, yeah. Yeah. What did you think about this book? I definitely see it being a book that I will flip through for a while and I can probably see myself picking it up again. I also thought it was like the practice at the beginning and I was like, no, because I didn't like the practice. That's what I was thinking in my brain. I was like, Brittany's not going to like this book. I was like, oh, no, I can't do this again. But I, I ended up really enjoying it. I got a lot out of it. I feel like. It was easily digestible. It actually put some things in my life in perspective. I enjoyed the Minette Library a lot, and I'm excited for when we read it. Me too. I'm kind of curious to see how that is compared to this. I'd give this probably an 8 out of 10. Because, I again, I don't think it's like anything groundbreaking, but it was a very nice book, and I could see myself picking it up and reading through parts of it again i felt like my brain was like gently washed and put back in my head which is a good feeling that is good now how do you feel reading this book first compared to the midnight library now even though you technically read the midnight library first but how do you feel about us reading this first yeah i think it gives a lot of insight that we can approach with the Midnight Library from his perspective. So I think I'm glad that we did it the order that you wanted to and not the order that I wanted to. If we didn't do this book, <laughs> I feel like we would have done the Midnight Library first and I would have been like, yeah, let's do that first. But because it was, again, two, four parts, very concise. I mean, we could have done like one episode of this, but yeah. we didn't. <laughs> but I can see like how, you know, let's do the Midnight Library first and then this. So we're going to take next week off. We're moving back to only doing one week. Mm -hmm. off between episodes between books so uh we will be returning on january 11th with a good girl's guide to murder by who's it by holly jackson so catch us then if you want some content in the meantime you can check us out on patreon patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe and if you like what we do you can actually give us money for podcasting which is pretty cool yeah we're reading different books on there yeah we should have like i think before now and our next episode of the podcast, 
our second episode of Fifty Shades of Grey should be out, right? If not, it's coming out soon. <laughs> it's coming out soon. What else am I going to say? Uh, rate and review our podcast. Um, if you don't want to or aren't able to donate, you can find us on Instagram at Fiddle and Pipe. You can find us at Calf Lynch Flute and BM Ross Music. Guess who is who? Uh, we're also on Facebook at Fiddle and Pipe Forum. And you can find us on TikTok at something. At Fiddle and Pipe. Just Fiddle and Pipe. Oh. <laughs> Nothing okay. too crazy. Oh, and on Facebook, Fiddle and Pipe Forum. And that's pretty much it. I said that. I said that. Oh, never mind. You just weren't listening to me. What's sexy out of windows? <sighs> okay. Well, I know you need to go. We hope that this was comforting for y'all. Yeah. Let us know what you think. And we'll buckle down for something a little more. We'll see you guys uh, next year. Fictiony. Yeah. Have a good. Um, Happy New Year. New Year. Hope Christmas was good. We didn't say that last episode. If you celebrate. No. Yeah, we didn't say that. Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa to anybody who does celebrate that too. And um, because it's right now December eighth when we're recording this, so it doesn't really feel like hol- the holidays right now. It's seventy degrees over no. where Brittany is, and my hands are sweating. It feels like a Thursday for me. <laughs> uh, well, we will see you all in twenty twenty three. See you in twenty twenty three. Got to start getting used to saying that. Oh, that's all so right. weird. Yeah, this seems like a weird number. Yeah, I'm not going to be used to it. But anyway, we'll see you guys next year. Bye. Bye.